Hosanna, a fellowship with Christians. Good morning. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you with us today. And for those of you who are online, we're glad that you are with us as well. You should have received a note card and a pencil as you walked in. Is there anyone here who did not receive a little note card and a pencil? Raise your hand. We got Kyle. We've got one back here, one over here. So the purpose of those, we haven't done this in a long time. We have, in the past, done what we call prayer cards. And then we read the prayer requests during the service and pray for them. So I would ask you, uh, if you have a prayer request, to write it down on the card. Please do not include anyone's name. So if you have a relative, you could say, I have a relative who needs prayer for this or whatever it may be, or a friend who has this need, or someone at work, whatever that may be, but please don't put any names on there. After the first song, the ushers will collect these. So don't wait till the third song to write your prayer request, all right, because we won't get it. <laughs> so write that during the first song. And then uh, two of our elders, Kevin Swigert and Joyce Freimeyer, will be reading these requests during our worship time. So we look forward to being able to pray for your prayer requests. And if you're online and you have a prayer request, feel free to write uh, your prayer request in the comments if you'd like. And our handy-dandy Jeff will take that prayer request and write it on a card for us, and he will give that to us as well. The, the live chat, not the comments. I'm sorry, live chat. Thank you very much. Okay. Yes, indeed. <laughs> live chat. Shows what I know. All right. So let's, uh, let's begin our service by singing a song about the Holy Spirit. Oh, 
are going to come now and collect your prayer requests. is mine. 
together now. It takes a couple of minutes to get them sorted out. And they're going to come up and read a couple of them. As they read the prayer request, um, you might want to silently just say to yourself, Father, I agree. Or you could say, Amen. Whatever it is that you want to just to kind of participate in this because we do want this to be a a group prayer at this point in time. So we got to get Joyce in here so that she can be seen by everybody. So scoot on over a little bit more, Joyce. Scoot on over a little bit more. There you go. All right. We're good. All right. Well, oh, thank you very much, Gordon. Should have worn something brighter. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Pray for uh, a relative losing their place to stay in assistant living situation self-upcoming cataract surgery, oh, friend. Oh, sorry. Ugh. Friend, praise for God's healing over our, our at, work. Work, at work in his life also needs strength, courage to quit smoking. I guess I forgot to say, please write so that people can read it. <laughs> okay, thank you. Amen. Baby born Monday the 27th. She was due in October. She weighs one pound, 10 ounces. Prayers for mom and dad too. Daughter-in-law surgery. Amen. A friend lost her 44-year-old daughter to a long-term history of addiction and overdose. Amen. For my wife's direction and peace. Amen. A woman with mental illness who needs a new place to live. A young man, paraplegic, who needs a place to live. 
a wheelchair-bound woman who needs a home, young girl experiencing a load of shame, woman stuck in fear. Amen. A friend with ongoing health issues. Amen. For my son to continue healing from alcohol use disorder and to find meaningful work in the near future. Amen. Nefer, nephew recovering from foot surgery and bone disease. Sister dealing with her son's recovery. Amen. Pray for my son who is struggling in many ways. Amen. Prayer for my bunion surgery that I am able to make my appointments. Amen. Healing for medical and mental issues in myself and my family. Amen. Please pray for safe delivery of our grandchild this summer. Amen.
Healing of broken hearts and of emotional scars. Amen. Peace in Ukraine. Amen. Friends dealing with death of a family member. To get a dog. Amen. <laughs> Sister-in-law who just got out of the hospital with kidney stone. They were unable to do the procedure because of COVID. Pray she passes the stone or can do the procedure soon. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Pray for my next operation coming up on my kidney. Amen. Help for those with alcohol and drugs and other addictions. Please turn to God. Amen. Physical healing, family, emotional healing, family, open door for college, for thoughts, God's will for appointment, healing. Sorry, I didn't read, I couldn't read the whole card. Amen. A family who is dealing with Alzheimer's. Amen. Peace. Amen. For all of us who operate that's not operate. Who experience oh, gee, the boy. overflowing abundance. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> For all of us to experience the overflowing abundance of the life in Christ. Amen. A friend health stay stable and health heal. Family heals. Amen.
Healing for two family loved ones, emotional, physical, and wisdom for their future. Amen. Prayer for person with cancer and with ALS. Amen. He, oh. <laughs> Heal the people that need it. Amen. A relative battling cancer for the worship team to grow and for our pastors, wisdom concerning the church. Amen. Lift up cares and concerns for someone that works 
for a suicide of their son recently. Amen. For blood counts to go to be normal. Amen. Heal the division of the people of our nation. Amen. Prayers for my sons. Prayer for a fo- former co-worker as she battles cancer. Mom recovering from stroke. Recent engagement with my new fiance. Amen. For peace in the Ukraine. Amen. Daughter newly engaged and leaving for medical school. Amen. Pray that we as a country can set aside our anger and see how we need to come together to fix and change our country for the better. I pray to see a positive shift in all areas and not and to not let the negative be the majority of what we see as a country and how we are seen as a country. Amen. This is the last card. Um, We don't usually, I know Rick said we weren't going to give name, but this gentleman has asked for us to give his name because of the needs that he has. Um, This card is for Sean Woodhouse. He's in need of a new kidney. Please pray for him and for a kidney donor to be found. Amen. Thank you. 
was every day on our uh, 4th of July weekend. Good? Out there? Everybody okay out there? Well, um, we only have two announcements this morning. Last Tuesday, 70 of our folks here at Hosanna met at the First Reformed Church in Lancaster to give out 70 meals, and those 70 meals were gone in less than half an hour. So if you're interested in helping in something like this, next October, Hosanna will be doing this event again. So hopefully people will be reminded before next October. So does anybody know what the 17th is of July? And yes, yay, it's VBA. So uh, there are still signups in the foyer. So if you're willing to volunteer, we ask that you please go out there and sign up. And also, if you are a volunteer and you're going to be eating here, they ask that you sign up for your meals as soon as possible so that the kitchen crew can have everything ready and have enough food for everybody. That's all I have. Uh, except for except maybe I forgot the offering. The offering. <laughs> I'm following in my husband's footsteps. I apologize. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to get here together every, uh, every Sunday, if we're here in the building or if we're watching online. Father, we just praise you and thank you for everything that you give to us. And as you give to us, we'd like to give back. And we just ask that you bless this offering that is about to be taken up so we can pass it out not only in our church community, but in the co community at large. We just thank you and praise you for everything that you will do with this money that is collected. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Joyce. So uh, you are in for a real treat this morning. You're going to get to hear from three of our elders. You're going to hear from April Adi, Lauren Knopfsiger, and Joyce Freimeyer. You've already heard from her a couple of times already. <laughs> this is Joyce's, Joyce's, Joyce's day, yeah. And they, they are going to talk to you this morning, maybe 
that long? Maybe that long. You know, it depends on what everybody has to say. But it's going to be, what does gospel mean to me? That's what they're going to share today. And then when Joyce is finished, then I'll share with you what gospel means to me. I want you to think about it this morning. What does gospel mean to you? Because when we're finished, we're going to have an open mic time. And we'll give you the opportunity, if you would like to share, what gospel means to you. So I'm going to ask April to come up first, and then Lauren will follow, and Joyce. Welcome, April. Thank you. Good morning. Happy Fourth of July weekend, and happy birthday, Rick. I talked to him earlier, and I, I guessed at like 21 or something, but I'm really bad at that kind of thing. <laughs> so he wouldn't tell me. So anyway, <laughs> He said that was like 50 years ago. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, good morning. Um, my name is April Audie, and I'm one of the elders here. When asked to speak this morning, I really spent a lot of time thinking about wow, what should I talk about? Tony and Joanne have covered so many topics this year on gospel, and what's God working on with me? And one of the things that I know they've said many times, every time you give a message, you have to live it first, at least in many cases. And I'm like, wow, okay, God, what have you been dealing with You know, for me? Well, one of the things is being worthy and acceptable. And I'm gonna cry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but I hope this will help you as much as it's helped me in the process. Okay. So, have you ever been disrespected, judged, rejected, criticized, not treated fairly, used and not a priority, or even other things? I am sure most of us, most of us have felt that way at some point in time. I know myself I have. Um, this world can be cruel. People can be cruel. Such situations can be hard. It can feel like the world is screaming at us. And what do we do with this when that happens? Okay. First two slides are quick. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, our response. Our response is a choice. Now, for me, I've kind of work through a process on this, and my process may be different than yours, but this is kind of how God's been working in my life. Um, silence is kind of be the first thing that I do, because there are things sometimes where you're just left speechless. I don't even know how to respond to this, so I'm gonna be silent. Um, I look at Christ, and Christ many times did not respond, you know, and everything in us, our emotions, we just want to lash out. I call it diarrhea of the mouth, you know, and it, that's not, even though sometimes that's our go-to thing, I don't think, for me, that is not the response God wants me to have, because you're doing it with emotions, you're doing it with anger, with hurt, whatever. And so this is the first process that I've taken, the first step in my April's process. Um, and so the second pro the step is prayer. Because if, I, if I'm quiet 
and I give myself time to pray, then God can speak to me and I can hear and listen for wisdom. The wisdom that I need because many times these situations are uncharted waters for me and I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what the right response is. So for me, praying, you know, is a very big deal of that. And here recently, about, I think about two months ago, pardon me, my nose is running. Um, I had a dream and I won't give you all the details of this dream, but I love dreams and I love working through dreams. And what God revealed to me in this dream was I have a very, I'm going to get my notes here, <laughs> a very strong, wise, powerful part of me that I am not seeing clearly right now. So I'm praying and praying for wisdom from God to say, okay, what is that strong, wise, powerful part of me supposed to do with some of these things that I've encountered or I've been faced with recently? And he's beginning to give me answers. Um, sometimes they're not immediate. Sometimes, you know, we get patience through the process, even though I never paid for, prayed for patience because I heard it's not a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but, you know, through that prayer, you know, then you get to the third step in my process, which is forgiveness. And even though you may immediately say, yes, Lord, I forgive. The emotions can take a long time to catch up with this right here, from going from here to here, sometimes as I call it the longest mile, because it's a lot to work through at times. So especially when you're feeling vulnerable, you know, and there are times, I think for our healing, we have to separate ourselves from the situation or the people who may have damaged us in some way um, and hurt us. And there are times when it's a permanent separation and there are times when it's a temporary separation so that you have time to heal and that you know what will do right for your spirit. Um, and those are the steps that I've been going through um, for the past period of time because there's a number of things going on in my life right now. And um, I'm sure you all have situations like this, too, at time to time. Um, but that's my process, and I hope that some of these steps may be helpful for you in your process. And then, finally, knowing your value. Um, I've gotten to the place where, you know, as I work through the process, the Lord is showing me my value. From that person I don't know very good in my dream, that... I know God's going to continue to reveal to me, um, but I saw this online and it really spoke to me. Your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. And that's just from a person to person kind of thing. But then I dig into scriptures and I look for these three scriptures have been very instrumental in boosting me up. I'm sure there are other scriptures in the Bible that will also do that for you. But these are the three that helped me. Um, God sees your worth. You know, I just want to say this one more time. God sees your worth. Now, we need to get that truth into our heart and let it sink in. 
Luke 12, 7, in fact, even the number of hairs on your head are numbered. God knows how many hairs, if you have any. <laughs> I'm looking at Kevin. <laughs> um, but he knows. And I brush my hair and I lose some hair in the hairbrush. He still knows how many hairs I have on my head. And he knows there's intimate details. For him to know those intimate details tells me how valuable I am. And all of you are because he knows. I don't know how many hairs I have on my head, but he does. And, you know, that's a personal and intimate thing to me. Ephesians 2.10, for your God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well, he prepared in advance for us to do. We're his handiwork. I don't think God makes mistakes. So we can look at ourselves and say, oh, you know, I'm ugly or this or that. But you know what? You're his handiwork. You are not. You are his handiwork. And he prepared in advance. He knows. And then finally, Samuel 16, 7. And I really like this one. <laughs> the Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearances, but God looks, the Lord looks at the heart. And honestly, I think today, so many people are running after the fancy house, the fancy car, the designer clothes, whatever. And you know what? None of that matters. It's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. Because what really matters is your heart and your heart issue and your relationship with the Lord. Yeah, we're going to all mess up. I mess up all the time. We're all human. That's why we need Christ. But if you have a pure heart, I think that just, that just means so much to God. And to me, that's much more important than all those other things. And knowing that that's important to God, doesn't matter how much money I have or what prestigious job I may have or any of those things. The heart, your heart, he looks inside and he knows your heart. And to me, that just boosts me up tremendously to know that he knows my hair, you know, he knows my heart and all of those things, you know, and look at yourself in the mirror and say, God doesn't make mistakes. I am his handiwork. Even if we can't accept ourselves, he does. So I hope that helps a little bit. And I'll just leave you with one final thought. Um, I found this in a book that I was reading recently, that your meditation becomes your medication. And so, you know, this was profound to me because if we are constantly thinking negative thoughts about ourselves and negative thoughts about others and whatever, that becomes our medication. But if we're thinking positive thoughts and we're letting the Lord lift us up and we're praising him and we're happy, that becomes our medication. And I think that's a better medication than the other kind. Um, but thank you. That's all I have. And I think Lauren is up next, if I'm not correct. Right? Thanks, April. Uh, good morning, Hosanna and Hosanna Online. Uh, my name is Lauren Nafziger. I'm one of the other elders here. Uh, 
Uh, when thinking of what the gospel means to me, my first thought, to be honest, was to procrastinate and try and think of how I could out, get out of being up here. Because uh, this is not me. I am the behind the scenes guy that does not want to be the upfront guy. So uh, here I am. We'll see how this goes, and it will be short. <laughs> so uh, the first on-topic word that came to me about uh, the gospel or the good news was compassion. Uh, and I'd like to list several examples for compassion as the good news. First is God's compassion that is given so freely to us. Uh, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And Lamentations 3.22 adds, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. So God pours out his compassions on us because he loves us and wishes to care for us. Uh, Jesus is also the ultimate showing of that fatherly compassion uh, in which God gave his only son so that we might be saved. Uh, next, I think that uh, it's our responsibility to take that compassion we receive from God and share it with others. And there's several examples provided in the Bible for showing compassion. First, uh, Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Finally, First uh, Peter 3, 8 and 9, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And finally, 2 Corinthians 31, 3 and 4. Praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And Jesus also provided us the example of compassion with the parable of the Good Samaritan, where he taught us who our neighbor is and instructed us to go and do likewise. My hope is that everyone can find a way to show a little more compassion to those around them and therefore be living examples of the good news. I think today's world could certainly use a little more understanding and compassion. That's all I have. Joyce. Thank you. Okay, I guess um, we're all going to hope that I could read my paper better than I've read everything else this morning. <laughs> so um, back when we were first asked um, to speak this morning, and Rick told us that our, our theme was going to be what the gospel means to us, my th first thought was, wow, that's great. It falls in so well with everything that Joanne and Tony um, have been talking about for the past several weeks. Had this idea rolling around in my head. Um, I'd been uh, just thinking about what I was going to speak about and um, just could never quite get anything put down on paper. Then due to circumstances beyond my control, it became clear that I would not be able to speak on my chosen subject. So I emailed Rick and told him that I didn't believe that I was going to be able to speak this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, last Saturday, I'm sorry, last Sunday, uh, 
Rick and I had a very short discussion. Um, he helped me to realize that if I use generalized verbiage, that um, I could probably speak about what I was originally going to speak about. But I still could not get anything down on paper. I would just, the words, they just would not come. So last Tuesday night, as I was lying in bed, unable to sleep, all of these thoughts kept running through my mind that the gospel means so much more to me than just one thing. The gospel to me <clears throat> is mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And when I stumble on my spiritual walk with Jesus, he is always there. If it is only just a slight stub of my toe, he is there with the gospel of mercy, letting me know it's all right and to get back up and walk again. If it's a little worse and I fall and skin my knee, he is there with his gospel of grace, letting me know that he will be there for me time and time again. Even if it's so bad that I fall face first in a big old puddle of mud and I have mud up my nose and mud in my ears, Jesus is there with the gospel of forgiveness, pulling me up to my feet, sitting me down, getting his bowl of water and his towel, cleaning my face, washing the mud out of my nose and my ears, letting me know that no matter how far I fall, he is always there and he has already forgiven me. The gospel of faithfulness, the unrelenting faithfulness of Jesus, that he is always there with me even when I'm not faithful to him, or should I say especially when I'm not faithful to him. The gospel of his unconditional love, knowing that he willingly sacrificed his own life for us, overcame death in the grave, rose again to life, so that all of us who believe in him could be washed clean of our sins. This is a gift that he has given us, and there's nothing that we have done in order to earn it. The gospels of peace and joy, everlasting, know that we have a savior, savior encompassing the definition of gospel. The good news of his mercy, grace, forgiveness, faithfulness, peace, joy, and the greatest gospel is of his never-ending love. Thank you. Rick? Let's say thank you again to April, Lauren, and Joyce because they got out of their comfort zone. Yeah. So what does gospel mean to me? You know, we can say a lot of things, but I'm just going to share one word today, and that's the word trust. Gospel to me means trust. What is trust? Well, according to the dictionary, trust is a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. You remember the commercial, Allstate commercial? You're in good hands, right? Yeah, okay. So that with, basically Allstate was saying, trust us, right? All right? Sometimes you can trust an insurance company, sometimes you can't. But, <laughs> but that, that's, that's what they were saying, you know, trust us, you are in good hands. And as I think about trust today, I want us to think about it in two, two ways. I want us to think about implicit trust and explicit trust. Implicit trust versus explicit trust. What do I mean by that? Well, in psychology and in the study of memory, 
The words implicit and explicit are used to describe two different kinds of memory. Explicit memory refers to information that takes effort to remember. The kind that we need to think hard about to dig out of our memory bank. Sometimes, like how old you are, you know. <laughs> Implicit memory, on the other hand, refers to information we can recall very easily or even unconsciously. Your name. For most people, things considered to be a part of implicit memory include knowing how to tie your shoes, knowing how to read, or knowing where you live. Typically, you can remember these things without even having to think about them. In contrast, examples of explicit memory include dates of historical events, times for scheduled appointments, uh, passwords. Any of you ever forget your passwords somewhere along the line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, most of the time, you need to actively think about these things at least a little bit in order to correctly recall them. So when I say today implicit trust, it's going to be what I don't have to think about as far as trust is concerned. And when I say explicit trust, that's something that I have to think about in order to think about trusting. So let's think about implicit trust for a moment. As a child, hopefully you were able to trust your parents to provide for you, right? Hopefully. There might be some people who weren't able to, but most of us, as I was growing up, I didn't have to worry about whether I was going to have clothes. Now, they might not be the newest clothes, but I, I had clothes. I had food to eat. I had a place to stay. I didn't think about that because I trusted them. It's an implicit trust. It was just something that was there. Um, when you're old enough to get a job, hopefully you were able to trust your employer to pay you on a regular basis whether it was weekly or bi-weekly or whatever it is. Hopefully, you didn't think on Friday, am I going to get paid today, you know? It was just automatically there. Now, if you had an employer who didn't always pay you on time, then maybe there wasn't the implicit trust there at that point. Maybe there wasn't trust at all. But that's another way of thinking about it, implicit trust. Now, when you sat down in the chair today, did you think about it? No, I mean... You, excuse me, I'm going to lose you online there for a second, but you came and you sat down and that was it. You trusted the chair. You didn't think about it. That's an implicit trust. Well, let's think about explicit trust. See that chair? Would you think about it before you sat in that chair? You might. You might think about I tell you to sit down in that chair, you might think, um, Rick, should I really sit in that chair or not? Well, your brother or your brother-in-law, who is a jokester, comes up to you and says, well, I just sat in that chair. It'll be okay. And he smiles at you. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, he wants me to sit in that chair, doesn't he? And he wants me to fall flat on my butt. That's what he wants me to do. Yeah. Or... Rick comes to you. Uh-oh. Maybe it should be somebody else. I'm not sure. Somebody you trust. Let's put it that way. All right. And says, I just got out of that chair. It's okay. You can sit down in it. You're still going to think about it a little bit, aren't you? Maybe you're going to test it out a little bit with your hand. Maybe you're going to say, I don't 
trust that chair and I don't trust you. But there's that sense of what? Explicit trust you're thinking about, you know. Is this trustworthy? Can I, can I, really, can I really trust that? Um, let's think about this in relationship to God. Implicit trust. I don't think about my salvation. <laughs> it's there. It's kind of like the air you breathe. Do you think about the air you breathe? Unless there's smoke or something going on, you're just breathing. For me, salvation, that's implicit. That may not be for everybody. There may be some people who are afraid of whether they're really saved or not. But for me, it's an implicit trust. I know that God has saved me. Forgiveness, for me, is an implicit trust. It might not be for everyone. But I know that God has forgiven me anything and everything that I've ever done or will do. I can trust God for that. What about explicit trust? So many years ago, let me back up for a second. Oftentimes, explicit trust what we're thinking about it is something that comes when life throws us a curveball, when unexpected things happen in our lives. And then we have to decide and think, do I trust God? How am I going to trust God? Many years ago, uh, Beth had a miscarriage before we had our first child. That was a very sad time. And there is the thought that says, God, I trust you. When I think about salvation, I don't think about it. It's there. But there's the thought, God, I trust you in the midst of this, that you are going to work through this. There's that sense of explicit trust. When I graduated from seminary, I needed a job. We lived in seminary housing. We couldn't live there forever. One month went by and nothing happened. Went to a church in view of a call. And I don't know if you've ever gotten the heebie-jeebies before or not, but we got the heebie-jeebies at this church. <laughs> it didn't wasn't right. <laughs> and the woman who was the uh, chairperson of the, uh, of the search committee called and offered me the job, and I turned her down. Well, you came. You, you may, how can you turn us down? It's kind of like, well, you know, this is one of these things where it's kind of like a marriage. You're trying to decide if you're going to work together or not, you know. And she was really upset that I said no. But we just didn't feel right about it. So month two, month three, and let's go down. We're going to get kicked out of seminary housing, out of a job, yeah. And I got this call from a... Southern Baptist Director of Missions in Mercer County. He says, we got a church up here in Pennsylvania. I'm living in Texas. I don't want to go to Pennsylvania. It's cold up there. I, those are weird people up there. You know, I don't want And for Southern Baptists, it was called a mission field. Because <laughs> there were only a few Southern Baptist churches. 
but what am I going to do? I got to get out of seminary housing. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll at least go. So I flew up, but they didn't have enough money for both of us. So I flew up. And on the way back, I called Beth and I said, oh, they hadn't offered it yet, but I knew it was going to happen. You know, I said, Beth, we're, we're moving to Pennsylvania. Ah, she never lived anywhere else, you know, Texas. God, I trust you. Number one, I trust you to find us a place because we've got to get on seminary housing. Number two, I trust you as we move to Pennsylvania. There's that sense of explicit trust. I was fired from a job a number of years ago, quite a few years ago now. I didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't know how I was going to make a living. Didn't know how I was going to pay our bills. But in the midst of that, there was God, I trust you. The thing to understand is, you know, I haven't had anything really bad happen in my life recently. And I haven't had anything really bad happen in my life compared to some of you, period. But I will say this. I know that if something unexpected happens in my life, I might not like it. I might wonder how I'm going to get through it. But I will have no doubt at all in my mind that I will get through it. And I might look back and say, God, this was a good thing because of what you've done in the midst of it. Because that implicit trust becomes explicit trust. And we think about the word trust, the word trust really is just another word for the word faith, isn't it? Think about it. We've got a slide here coming up. There it is. Trust is the firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So, when we trust God, we are exercising faith, aren't we? Because we're placing our faith in Him. So, a very important thing for me, as far as gospel is concerned, is trust. And understand one thing about trust. Trust is built upon the trustworthiness of whatever you're placing your trust in. You come in every Sunday and you sit down in those chairs and you don't think about it because those chairs have been trustworthy every time you sat down in them. If you came in next Sunday and you sat down in that same chair and it fell apart, next week you'd wonder. As you see the trustworthiness of God in your life, then that trust can build. So that even when it looks like God has forgotten you, you know he hasn't. Even when it looks like things are falling apart, you know that God is still there. And it's still there. So as you think about what does gospel mean to me, we'd like to hear from you. Jeff has a microphone. 
And if something is kind of rattling around inside of you that says, you know, we're not talking about something long. It can be a word. It can be a couple of sentences. But there's something that you want to share that gospel means to me. Go ahead, Rick. So for me, gospel means the Holy Spirit. I want to read a few verses from John's gospel, uh, chapter 14, starting at verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the spirit of truth, which the world cannot accept because it neither sees nor knows it. But you know it, because it remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live and you will live. On that day, you you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Thanks, Rick. Who else? A brief comment on what gospel means to me is when I lean into the promise of Christ that the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. That has been what I have clung to as gospel for me. It's revolutionary, it's difficult, it's hard work, it's messy, but the truth, God's truth, in my life as I lean into it, as I accept it, as I open to God's truth, to the Spirit's work, and to Christ there to counsel and guide is the good news to me. Thank you. Uh, To me, uh, the word I would associate with gospel is covenant, Uh, God's covenant with us individually and as a country. And as we're tomorrow, the United States of America is celebrating 246 years of being in covenant relationship with God. Uh, God has remained faithful to our nation, even though we have not remained faithful to him. Uh, In the past couple of weeks, we have seen a number of overturns and changes and resetting, and I'm praising God for those victories that we are seeing. And that's the result of much intercessory prayer that has gone on for many, many years for God's righteousness to be reinstituted into our country. And so um, I'm just thankful for the power of covenant and our own awakening to our responsibility. God has his part and we have our part. 
And I'm just grateful that we are seeing that change back and continue to pray that we will see the fullness thereof. Thank you. And that word covenant is a good word because God has made a covenant with each one of us. And God promises to keep his covenant that he's made to us. So the word that I would probably use, well, there's two. There's forgiveness and there's also judgment. And I don't really like judgy people. And I just realized this week that not liking judgy people is really judgy towards <laughs> judgy people. <laughs> so what I've started to work on is trying to find like three reasons why this person might be acting this way and then to extend love towards them instead of being like, oh my goodness, this judgy person is driving me absolutely <laughs> insane. And I'm like, well, maybe they've been through some situations that they feel that they need to be superior to other people. Maybe they came from a bad environment when they were younger where that was their way of survival, you know, and maybe they just had a rough day and they need to have somebody else have a bad day with them. And then I can love them and pray for them that their day gets better and that they can learn new behaviors, that they can extend love to other people. And I can forgive them for judging me and I can forgive myself for being a little bit judgmental of them as well <laughs> and pray that God forgives me and them for being our judgy selves. And the word forgiveness is very important to me because my story is absolutely full of second chances and forgiveness from God and just my path turning so many different directions. Like I've been through about five loops and a corkscrew, if you were to call my life a roller coaster ride. And through it all, no matter how far I stray, no matter how deep my pit gets, no matter how far down my rock bottom is, God is there to give me another chance to do it the right way and to do it by God's way, not Gordon's way, because Gordon's way gets me in a lot of trouble. So, yeah, judgment and forgiveness are the two words I would use. Thanks, and I want to say thanks to Gordon. Gordon's singing with us this summer while he's home from college. Uh, and Julie Campbell and uh, Kelly... Wenzel, uh, Kelly, yeah, Wenzel, hey. Kirk Wenzel, I can't, yeah, I can't. So they were both supposed to be here today. Uh, Gordon joined me today, so I appreciate Gordon doing that. Let's say thanks to Gordon. Anyone else? What does gospel mean to you? enough inner security to be able to experience inner freedom. Thank you. Who else? Back there. Gospel means hope. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's one word, I did talk, but jubilee. Okay. Gospel means jubilee. Mm -hmm.
I'll add a word myself. Okay. Um, gospel means to me the grace to fellowship with people you disagree with. <laughs> okay. heart is racing, so that must be time to talk. Um, for me, the gospel means outreach, but maybe not in an evangelical way. I um, was overwhelmed with this a couple weeks ago when my daughter Claire got baptized. And just watching her, you know, take that next step in her Christian faith and realizing that it really does take a village to get kids, you know, to plant seeds of love in their heart from Jesus. And I thought about like how Grandma Barb used to rock her and Jill Herb the hmm. same and all of the people that have spoken, you know, peace and love into her heart, you know, growing up. And I think that like April was saying, you know, how sometimes we have a hard time valuing that in ourselves. Like it's about showing up for other people and showing them what God sees of them kind of holding up a mirror and saying, you are so loved and so valued and so welcome in this world that we're all in. And that's gospel to me. That's great. All right, let's stand together. And I speak God's gospel to you, whatever that may mean in your life. And may you have a wonderful day. Happy Fourth of July tomorrow. And enjoy yourselves. It's been good having you today. And thanks again to our elders for sharing. Have a wonderful day.